0: It. <laughs> oh man.
1: <laughs> okay. Not in a shy way. Yes. I did it Wait. Your way. How's it going, man? How are you? I'm Dude,
0: lovely. So lovely. It's been a while. Yeah. And a piece. Yeah, a little bit, man. Mm. Yeah, I had to shave off all the facial hair. You know, because the wind one day it came along and it wrapped it around my head, and so it was just not working. You know, it was so long. Yeah, no, I
1: get it. I dig it. I didn't recognize you at first. I was like, Wait, wait, wait. Who Did this? I call the wrong person? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I dig it, man. Good my doppelganger. See yeah, Good seeing you. Uh, let me give a quick shout out to the peeps in the chat. What it is, yo. William, how's it going, man? I feel like you're everywhere I turn. I see a William. How you doing, man? (laughs) Uh, Zachary, what up? Stephanie, I miss you. (laughs) Uh, Dog's my co-pilot. How you doing, hon? Uh, Valeria, always great to see you. Lauren, Lauren, what What the what? The who and the who and the what? How you doing? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Saw that too peanut yes. butter jelly time <laughs> it's peanut butter toast okay. all right but it's peanut butter jelly time <laughs> butter jelly time all right dallas sure. wants yeah. some homes. um okay so we've got some shit to talk about but before we get into the i don't know the whatever i thought you were going to be doing like a like a robbie creaker ah, yeah
0: yeah i could do a little Contain. robbie Krieger.
1: I'm a two times baby. Mm-hmm. I dig it, man. That's so good. All right, so he's an actual musician. I clearly am not. Only <laughs> on Fridays. Only on Fridays. When he's yeah. had a, a, a couple too many at Michelob. All That's right, true. so uh, this is On the Rocks, my friend.
0: What are you yes, drinking? It is. Well, for tonight's pairing of uh, alcohol and debauchery <laughs> via Jim Morrison, find my camera angle. There it is. Right, right, right. I have a two thousand nineteen Michelob. It's very tasty. Two thousand nineteen. That's a good year. It's a very good year for these. Only ninety five calories, and uh, to top it off, you know, this is this is the the hard stuff. Then the chaser of the. Vodka sunrise. Whoa! Because I
1: don't really do tequila, but the vodka sunrise is the chaser. Well, uh-huh. Not the mix. The, the vodka sunrise is the yeah. chaser. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. The okay. The vodka is, is the chaser. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go with the weak stuff second to wash right.
1: it down. Right. I feel like we're a couple weeks away from leaving Las Vegas at this point yeah 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 we could do that (laughs) uh i am sipping on um uh, an old staple of mine the old vine zinfandel because i am a fucking wino and i love it so much Uh, i have actually abstained all week um challenging as it was yeah yesterday uh, night i was sitting down on the couch with my beautiful wife watching some shit and i was like you know what I'm on fucking like, cause I'm on vacation right now. I'm on vacation. I'm going to go get a fucking drink. And she said, no, you're not. You told Ooh. me not to let you drink until Friday and That's it's right. Thursday. So you're not going to get shit. And I was like, "Okay, damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you win. Damn rules. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, nice. I but I've been, I've been hankering. I've had a hankering. Oh yeah, and I finally got it. And as you can tell, it's it's soaked, and I smacked my like It's it's working. It's, it's working. it's working. It doesn't work anymore. Um, all right, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple things I want to talk about before we get into the main topic at hand. Yes. First and foremost, I would. So I went to get a cut. I got a got a little fade here. I don't know if Oh uh, yeah. Uh, that so That's so bad. Looking smooth. Shabby. Thank you very much. My regular hair stylist was out of the town. I think she's. A but she's a great haircutter. But she was out of town nonetheless. And so I had to get cut by a white woman.
0: <sighs> I've been cut by a white woman once. She was really upset.
1: <laughs> Outside of the love situation, <laughs> it's a fucking... You, it's it's like a, you never know what you're going to get. It's a this box of true. chocolates and fucking
0: <laughs> Tom this Hanks
1: shit. I can't think of the name of the fucking movie. <laughs> Gump? Thank you.
0: Life is it's like a, a box of chocolates. Fucking genetics.
1: box of chocolates with a white woman cutting your hair. You never know what you get. You first of all, black or Latina, you know you're getting a good fade. Hands down, they would not be in the business if they could not cut or fade a black or Latino man's hair. This is For the true. women, they won't do it. Yeah. But a white woman.
0: Well,
1: yeah. I mean, let's be fair. White dudes are fucking dumb and ugly. So they don't fucking care what their hair looks like. They're just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. You know, like you, you make it short here, you make it long here and you, whatever. I don't care. My fucking white Mormon yeah. wife doesn't give a fuck what I look like. She just wants me to bring home the bacon. And on my birthday, I get to stick my dick in it. And that's all that's my life. But for the black and the Latina dudes... It's much more important, and so I always kind of look for the black and Latina girls to cut my shit because I know they know what they're doing. This particular case, she was out of town. I had to go. The last haircut I got was a fucking travesty by a Latina girl, which was my first fucking mistake. I applied (sighs) what I knew about the Latina girls that cut my hair to all Latina girls, and I was fucking burned, man. She didn't fucking cut it right because she didn't know what the fuck she was doing. And, okay, let's just say you are a stylist, you are a ha- hair trimmerist, you are a, uh, fucking... Oh, what's the, what's the, uh, um, uh... Barber? No, I was gonna go with Edward Scissorhands. You're an Edward Scissorhands uh, yeah, yeah. in the making, uh-huh. and you think you got your shit down. If yeah. a customer asks you how long you've been cutting your hair, or how long you've been actually a stylist or cutting hair, that's a fucking clue like you're doing something wrong if they're like oh how long have you been doing this and they're gripping like their hand, their knuckles are white because they're (laughs) gripping the edge of your fucking chair the barber chair and you can actually see it's glowing from underneath the hair like the neck Towel thing they put over you, the the poncho that you're yeah. wearing. If you can see glowing things from underneath the poncho, it's not because their junk is magical, which in my particular case it is, but you know for most people it's not. Oh, if oh. you see that, that's their that's fear. That's fear yeah. is shining. Oh. It's it's sh- light is it from from their nose and eyes and ears. That like light is from their knuckles shining. Fear is coming out, and they're wondering. WHAT THE FUCK ARE YOU DOING TO MY HEAD? That's what they're wondering, and that happened to me. So today, I went and I saw a white woman, and I was pleasantly surprised that she was like, oh, they fucked you up. Let me clean you up. And so I feel a little bit better about it. I'm a little more comfortable about it. I feel a little bit uh, sexy. I feel like I could samba. Even though she was a white girl. Anyway, I don't know. So what
0: what do you get done to your hair? I mean, do you say... You say get me get me the fade. I mean get that me. doesn't look like a military cut, my friend. I say, I say,
1: nineteen seventies <laughs> black men, and they do it. That's that's all I say. No, okay. Right. The point. Right. I don't. I went off on a rant. I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> so I go into this girl, and she's like, "Can I shampoo you?" And I was like, nah, "I'm good. I don't I don't need a shampoo. I shampoo my hair twice a week, and I'm fine. I'm I'm good." She's like. It's no trouble. I was like,
0: no, I'm, I'm good. She wanted to do it right there in front of everybody.
1: Yeah. I was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. She's like, no, no, it's on me. And now I'm starting to think it's not just the shampoo we're talking about. I don't think it was. Like, I think maybe this is a happy ending or something. And I'm <laughs> trying to figure out how long that neck drape that they put on is. <clears throat> Is I it mean, long enough to cover a happy ending?
0: I, I mean, do you go to, like, the same place yeah. all the time? Or is this, like, a mobile no. haircutting truck? She knows
1: me. She knows you? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. She was, she was like, no, it's on me. I will give you a shampoo. I was like, no, it's okay. She's like, no, after. I was like, After? What do you mean? (laughs) Like, Do we have to go back to your place? Like an ending? Like a happy shampoo ending? Like a shampoo happy end. Like what are you fucking talking about? Like no, I'm married. I'm fine. I don't need a fucking happy ending shampoo. Like why are you pushing the shampoo? And then here's the other thing. What is it about me that you think that I would let someone other than my wife shampoo my hair? Clearly we're talking about pubes, right? I
0: mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. Just going out on a limb. Maybe she saw a couple flakes. I just feel... Oh! And maybe, and maybe she was trying real hard to be nice. You and, sneaky motherfucker. First <laughs> of all... I mean, and, and maybe that was it. You know, she was trying to say, No, really. You need your hair washed. <laughs> Shit is
1: it's like be- if someone offers you a piece of gum or a mint. Don't <laughs> pass it up because your breath stinks that's yeah. why they offer it. i never even considered that oh just
0: shit maybe. just maybe i maybe. mean i mean oh, the other, dude. The, other yeah. the other thing sounds a hell of a lot cooler though so you <laughs> can go with that
1: she was just trying to be nice oh i feel bad now what the fuck okay um I genuinely feel bad. Like, I thought oh. I was, like, hot shit, and now I realize I'm just, like, flaky lizard bands. <laughs> no,
0: no. I'm I'm sure it was all about other things. Had nothing to do with your hair. Okay. Not that she was a stylist yeah, no, and I... hair care. <laughs> nothing nothing <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> Thanks for ruining my fucking hide. God damn it. That's fucked up shit uh okay so um on the (laughs) topic of happy endings (laughs) i want to i want to ask you a question because we all face this i feel like we covered a little bit of masturbation in the last show when we talked about socks but i i feel like we need to double down um so if you let's just say you're home alone and you're a dude it's gonna happen um but if you're expecting loving later from uh-huh. a girl, right? If uh-huh. you're anticipating future loving that night, yeah, yeah. Do you masturbate? Do you only do it like three times? Like, what's your what's your limit?
0: Before at least, at you're least like... twice with an hour in between <laughs> before the loving, because you got to be ready. You don't want to be. You don't want to be quick draw on the right. crawl there, right. and you know we're we're getting older. You know we're we're getting to that age where it it happens. So you gotta mm. you know you gotta dandruff. Practice. You gotta practice that and dandruff. I mean it's it's that simple.
1: What's happening? What's <laughs> happening? Yeah, because I was I was uh, in um, mid moment, <clears throat> going yeah. oh shit. I, I'm gonna be hopefully doing this later. Like, should I not finish? And I was like, Oh, come on, don't be stupid. And I was like, Okay, but should I just do an encore because I felt like it was a good show? Like, you have to do well, an encore. I feel like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: you gotta have a standing ovation. I, think.
0: I mean, first that's... of all,
1: this is a musician saying it, so
0: he knows. People. Yeah, yeah. You you gotta you know. You, in in the kind of people that we are, that is, you, you you enjoy the pleasures of the flesh and there's no reason to deny yourself just because the off chance you're getting some right. some physical touching later. Right. But that's yeah. the thing. You want to be ready. You've got to be ready for you know, you gotta be impressive. Mm-hmm. You know. And you know, may I, I, I don't know. I, I've always been of the mind uh, more is better not less better
1: yeah yeah you want them to actually projectile off of you from the force of the sperm leaving your body like like a
0: fire hydrant of cum well i mean that's okay. As long as, as long as it's longer than two minutes, then yes, you're, you're good.
1: Longer than two minutes. Oh, you mean the entire act? Not The, the entire, entire yeah. The okay. entire. I thought you are like that... bananas or something. And I was like, I can't. No. <laughs> so much potassium. I can't take that much in. Um, okay. Well, I was just curious. It's all about shakes. It's all about shakes. shakes. Okay. Uh, you want to talk some doors? <laughs> should, we, should we move off of this topic? I, I I mean, if you want to, I'm enjoying it. I feel like we have to. <laughs> it's illegal in some states, of what we've been speaking of.
0: I, th- I think the YouTube standard is, yeah. yeah. The YouTubes can't
1: uh, handle YouTube. this much
0: spunk talk. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, yes.
1: Okay, what? well, this is stretched out, but it'll fix itself. Yeah. So we're talking about doors. When were you first introduced to the doors? That would have been... It's not fixing itself. Why isn't it fixing itself? Why does it look like this? I
0: don't know.
1: What did you do, Ray? If someone <laughs> asks you if you're a god, you say yes!
0: <laughs> Why
1: does it look like this? It's not supposed to look like this. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's really stretchy.
1: Why is it all stretched? It's not supposed to be Whoa. stretched! Okay, it's fixed. All right. There it goes, there, there it goes.
0: goes. Right, you said had to yell at it. Sorry. That's... Stupid <laughs> doors,
1: pictures! Thank you, I feel like Bernie Sanders. The top 99% of Doors' pictures will be stretched, and we need to fix this. This I don't know why you think it would work. It's not gonna work. All right. The rich can't handle the top 99% of Doors' photos. We will get the 99% out there. It's like offensively Jewish at this point. Like, the Holocaust... Was not a total travesty. Did you meet the Goldsteins? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying they deserved it. I'm just saying they were obnoxious. What
0: I mean Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> wow. So fucked up. Okay, let's move on. Okay, on that note, on that note, yes. I, I first heard them, I, I I think uh early in high school. Mm. I, I was uh Growing up, I wasn't allowed to listen to any kind of rock music whatsoever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was all uh, country and, and bluegrass and gospel. And don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate what I heard. But uh, when I heard them in high school, I was like, uh, the first song I think I, that really caught my attention was Not to Touch the Earth. That's a good one. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Who is this? And and so I it was a cassette my friend had in their car, and so I I, I took the cassette. I was like, "This is mine now. <laughs> I need this." Clearly, someone didn't learn how to share. <laughs> I gave it back after. It says mine. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, after you know when when the parents weren't home, I would throw that in the cassette player and uh, listen. You know, it's like one of the early greatest hits cassettes they had out and, mm. and it just blew me away. You know, like uh, something about their sound was so different and just, uh, just the lyrics were, were amazing. And, yeah. Uh, that primal scream. And then yeah. going, going from the primal scream down to a whisper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing.
1: One thing I was really always blown away by the doors is that, Rather than being a rock band who uh, emulated other rock bands or always wanted to be rock stars and Mm -hmm. henceforth, you know, uh, 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 idolized other rock stars, they were film students. Um, Right. uh, uh, Oh, sweet fucking hell. (laughs) Um, uh, It was Manzarek and Morrison that were film students. And so they had this eye for theatrics that they understood the importance of drama and uh, composition and uh, everything that has to do with theatrics. And so they took that approach to their music, which was vastly different than anyone had done as of yet. And I think that's why they've persisted for so long and they've been Mm -hmm. so um, popular and successful, damned the generation, because they speak to the core of the drama in the human experience, uh, which, which is so incredibly important. Uh, And why I love literature and why I love film and why I love music and everything is it's it's the connection of the human condition to our environment, to our atmosphere, to our emotions. And that's something that the doors really tapped into before. I mean, arguably before anyone else. To their time, I don't think they would persist this long after the the passing of uh, Morrison and the band, as it were, if it weren't for their longevity of their speaking to something that was essential to humanity. Um, And because you know, and you can argue, other bands have not been able to do that, and they've tried. So, what is it about this particular band that put magic out there? And yeah. I think that is really at the essence. So um, my first experience with The Doors, I got to be honest, I don't, I don't I, oh, no, I do remember. Uh, my sister was uh, she, a little bit older. She had her first kid. She was living in an apartment, and we were pretty close as brother and sister. And so she asked me to come over to her apartment, and uh, she rented The Doors, the film, mm-hmm. and we watched mm-hmm. it together. And this was my first exposure. 100%, like, no exposure until now. <clears throat> and this is Adam in his junior high years, and uh, it blew my fucking mind. I oh, immediately yeah. became obsessed with Jim Morrison and The Doors, the, the mythology that was built up around Morrison and the experience that the doors had of starting from nothing becoming this bright flame and then dying out immediately as the artists themselves realized that they couldn't handle what they had created. Uh, And, and it was this, it was this moment of self-expression. I was in the, primal youth of experience experimenting with drugs after that point that that film introduced me to the idea of experimenting with with drugs and in psychedelics and it c- forever changed the trajectory of my life as far uh-huh. as I'm concerned i understand that the film is not 100% <laughs> or 35.7% truth of the experience <laughs> but after that i started reading novels written by the band members and those surrounding um the band and i became obsessed with the bibliography i I became obsessed with uh the stories and uh it completely changed everything about how i witnessed reality because up to that point i was very much uh raised in a mormon household and Mm -hmm. so my personal interpretation of life was good and evil satanists in the woods as i was told to scare me from you know <laughs> the woods and just you know bad things in general but also yeah. that if you were a good person you stayed away from these things and then i witnessed this show that said that the good things had less meaning than your interpretation of them and the experience you derived from them and it completely opened avenues to me. Like, there, there's uh, yeah. not just one path that you can choose. Like, you can actually <laughs> decide your own path in life. And that's a thing. And you right. can be wrong and find your own trajectory. It was amazing. And uh, so this, yeah. that, that film, as much as people, like, shit on it, I can't help but truly, genuinely love it. Not just because of Al Kilmer and Meg Ryan but and, and all the other fucking people in it. But because it opened me up, you know, completely. Yeah. And I loved it to death. Oh, Um, yeah. So, for those of you who are not familiar or maybe don't have a full understanding of the doors, uh, they were formed in Los Angeles in 1965 with vocalist Jim Morrison, keyboardist Ray Manzarek, guitarist Robbie Krieger, and drummer John Densmore. Uh, They took its name from the Aldous. Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception, literally referencing a quote by William Blake. Um, They immediately signed with, not immediately, after two years, signed with Elektra Records, and they released eight albums in five years. uh, They had five albums, or six albums, one live release, and one compilation of sort of like the best of. And it was... It was um, it was groundbreaking. It was disappointing. It was challenging. It was um, uh, I, I constipated. It, it, it was it was a, a, a trajectory of a band that was testing grounds. So you had bands like The Rolling Stone, which kind of did the same thing forever. You had mm-hmm. bands like The Beatles that completely changed their sound album to album and then yep. the other doors we sort of tested boundaries like in the time the doors came up all the other popular bands were talking about peace and love and uh fighting the machine and the doors talked about darkness yeah. they talked about experience they talked about perception no one else was doing that at the time and they completely broke through because of their original views on things and that was because not only the amazing makeup of the individual artists that comprise the band but the front man of all frontmans jim morrison like you cannot pretend like other front men have a fucking candle to jim morrison he was the no personification way. of rock and roll. So, what did you think of uh, the 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 not just the the musician, but the the poet, the
0: the character, the yeah. the Lizard King? Like, what do you think? Oh, well, he did. Uh, it seemed uh, like what a lot of musicians do and hold. They, he created a persona, you know, just a stage persona, and uh, probably unintentionally, from from things I've read, you know the. The LSD experience and all the psychedelics in the early days of the band, and you know, going on stage just tripping balls most of the time, created this wild man who was just you know, totally uh, shocking in everything yeah. that he did. You know, you see the Beatles in their clean-cut suit, and here comes the guy with long hair and the tight-ass leather pants that you can see his <laughs> dick hanging out, and yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, just truly a sex symbol, uh, of, but of a man, at, which at the time wasn't wasn't a common thing, and you know he they used that you know for the first what two years of the band, and uh, when they really took off, and then he, just him realizing he couldn't do it anymore that that really wasn't him. Mm-hmm. You know he he enjoyed beer, he enjoyed food, and just being a normal person. You know I, I've read. Uh, And seen pictures of where he would be walking down Sunset Boulevard, you know, from bar to bar and have this throng of women just following him. You know, and he, like, he just, he was so embarrassed or shy about the whole thing. And, yeah, it's just, just quite amazing because of how intelligent he was. He wasn't the crazy drunk guy, you know, he really had something to say. I, I, just he didn't know what it was mm. at, at, until the later years, it seemed like.
1: Yeah. Um, so, their first album released was in 1967, it was The Doors. And I distinctly remember that album because my dad, uh, my father, edited by recording over the vulgar parts of the end. Oh, Where wow. he was talking about finding, uh, you know, he walked into a door, and he saw his sister, and he saw his brother. <laughs> and he walked into another door, and he saw his father. I uh, said, I want to kill you. And then he, you know, walked on down the hall, and he saw his mother. I want to fuck you. Yeah. He, like, edited my cassette tape, because Damn. back then there weren't CDs. Uh right. edited the cassette tape by recording over those parts so that I could continue listening to it. And I got to be honest, I didn't care. The fact yeah. is, is, I could still listen to the majority of it, and that was good enough for me. Well, I yeah. didn't need all of it. like, and, totally. and I knew what they said, so it's not like he could <laughs> erase my memory. And it's not like I wanted to kill my father or fuck my mother. It was just that it was such a rebellious statement to blatantly yeah. make. So much so that they were kicked out of the fucking... Um, uh, 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 sunset? Oh, what was the name of the... The Whiskey A Go-Go Whiskey A Go-Go When yeah. they fucking first performed that Yeah um, It was just out of nowhere And he was riffing And there was always this um, fascination of mine To have sex from beginning of the end To the song The End mm. And I talked about it with girlfriends for a while And then I finally got to do it with my girlfriend at the time Now my wife And uh It's a lot shorter of a song than you think it is <laughs> Like it seems long when you're listening to it, right? But you're in mid coitus. Not that long of a song.
0: Yeah, yeah not that much at all.
1: <laughs> you're trying to climb boobs, <laughs> like, entertain valleys in uh, the uh, fucking uh, clefts of of clit, and you're just like, I don't want to stop. Why are you ending yeah. already? God damn it! Stop the song. Let's hit pause <laughs> so that we can continue playing around a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was a good time. Good time. Awesome. <laughs> I That's finished awesome. to the end. I, I got to the end with the end. And it was awesome. <laughs> like it was just one of those nice. things where you're like, hey, I want to I wanna have sex with this song. Let's do it. And we're like, okay, well, it's not going to be that long of a song, but it's long enough. And like what's yeah. long enough? And, and it was still good. It was a good time. Nice. So I That's highly awesome. recommend people. <laughs> uh, Strange Days. First of all, the, at any time I can put on the album The Doors, and I will feel
0: happy. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. As There's as so as much as energy yeah. energy from the album. And that was the thing with the Doors that other bands weren't doing at that time is the energy exchange between them and the audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having, having played music at, uh, in front of live audiences, you know, I've had that experience. I've had, you know, definitely played shows when it was uh, not uh, that at all, and it really sucked. But it's a high, like, I, like, you can't describe, you know, just that the audience is into it, the band's into it, and it's like everybody's just kind of getting off on this whole energy trip. And, mm-hmm. and that, that album, I think, above any other album that they did, really captures that. Hell uh, yeah,
1: dude. Um, Strange Days is the, the second album they released, and probably one of the most outside of Light My Fire known songs and and maybe not even attributed to the doors they just it's just a song that people know people are strange when you're a stranger everyone knows that song i was uh in high school sitting on a bus and i was you know all rockered out long hair leather jacket um going somewhere and girls in my high school that were like a year or two younger than me were talking about that song trying to figure out who it was that sang it behind me and i was listening to them and they were like guessing random ridiculous bands and i had this moment of not only like nerddom like push up my glasses actually but also just like disdain and hatred that they didn't know who sang the fucking song that they were talking about and i turned around i was like it's the fucking doors
0: how do you not
1: know the doors it is the doors you're talking about not any of those other stupid bands that you're referencing. <laughs> the fucking Doors. And more importantly, if you don't know the Doors from all those other bands, then you've never actually listened to the Doors.
0: I tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Globs are a marrow Yeah,
1: no, I totally felt like a nerd in the moment. and But I, I
0: feel like I put some of them on the right path. <laughs> well, that's true. I, but okay. the, the thing... Uh, that song had a big comeback in the movie, The Lost Boys.
1: Right. And right. that
0: I, I remember watching that movie when I was like five or six years old. Mm-hmm. And that song scared the shit out of me for the longest time. <laughs> I didn't know who did it, but I knew it scared the fuck out of me because of that movie. Yeah. And uh, once, you know, once I heard it, heard, you know, The Doors do it, it, it was much different feeling I got. But yeah, like it's uh it's I such the, a great album.
1: I love the meaning behind it because I felt that so exactly. many times. So ultimately the meaning behind People Are Strange is is when you're hard up for drugs, everyone is out there being a stranger to you because you don't have drugs and you're trying to score. And those who have drugs don't want to share them. Uh and so it's just your own moment of of frenzy. Of, of wanting to score but not being able to. And I've been there so many times uh, on acid, uh, trying to get just another uh, hit to have another 12 hours of madness when it was coming down. And the, the worst part, I think, of acid is the coming down part because not only is it painful, but you also realize that this is the end. Like, there's nothing else as good is going to happen. You just have to suffer for a few hours. And you're like, Fuck! Well, give me another fucking hit so I can be up for another 12 hours and not think about it. And so that's why, you know, I, th- I mean, to be fair, in my drug days, weed was the best uh, accompaniment to acid because it would ease the transition from the pain of coming back down from acid uh, in the hours. Alcohol just wasn't quite enough for it. Mm-hmm. But th- I-, I identified so much as a teenager trying to score with that song, People Are Strange. And that's maybe why I was so incensed to yeah. those stupid fucking girls not knowing who the, <laughs> having the gall to not know who sang a song <laughs>
0: Who did they
1: think they were i know there's no google there's no, in, literally there's no internet at this point no. they were just like i heard this song on the radio and it's a good song i wonder who sings it and this dude just turns around on the fucking public bus and yells at them <laughs> like, yeah yeah
0: <laughs> Oh like, my god, what the fuck is wrong with this
1: guy? <laughs> Why is he yelling at us? He apparently was just weirdo. Place. Yeah. Fucking crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's Waiting for the Sun, which Waiting is another amazing song. Critically, when it was released, they were constantly everything that the Doors did, they compared to their first album because their first album was literally revolutionary. Yep. No one had released anything in the amount of time. And with the impact that that first album had. Not just, you know, on on an individual music lover or whatever. But, like, on the popular culture charts of America. It completely blew up immediately. It was huge! And people didn't understand how the impact it had. And certainly the band didn't realize the impact that they had. Because when they continued to try to to change their sound and, and experiment in different ways, they were... They were attacked by the media because of it. And the first major time they were attacked was with Waiting for the Sun. Um, They thought that the song, the track, Waiting for the Sun, was too much like the end, but it didn't have the uh, cinematic drama of the end. And so it wasn't good enough. And so musicians critiqued it like shit.
0: Yeah. It was crazy. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Go but back. the uh, uh the uh song oh, when the music's over, mm-hmm. you know, it was supposed to be uh, that's actually the track I was talking to. Not waiting for the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. When the music's over, that that one definitely, you know, they were trying to recapture the the, the success they'd had with the end, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean it, it it's such a good song by itself, but you know during the times and you know it just doesn't stand up to what the end was able to do what it was able to catch yeah still you know that, that is a great fucking album but
1: this is the thing is i i think what what we as human beings traditionally like to do and again this is very overarching type stuff is compare an individuals work to their past work or to what we believe they are capable of mm-hmm. rather than taking the piece for what it is and I think ultimately, you know, we see this a lot in films primarily, but we also see this in music and artwork. And I think ultimately it's, it's to our, as the consumer of arts, detriment, because we aren't giving it the opportunity to be what it is. Rather, we're trying to compare it to something else. And what I, with, and I think it's the doors that allowed me to do this for the first time. What I try to do, is take every individual rather than just farting through my lips which I just did um, <laughs> rather than ta- I was like <laughs> fart. Uh, rather than take an album for example and compare it to another just take every individual track in its mm. own sake and enjoy it for what it is and see it as the collection that was compiled for whatever reason it was and just accept it for what it is and in that context, I was able to uh, fully appreciate, I believe, literally every single track that The Doors ever put out uh, yeah. as a fully formed four-member unit. There there are albums that I don't even consider part of The Doors, and we'll get to those in a second. But yeah. um, like, that's why I loved um, whether it was uh, Waiting for the Sun, Morrison Hotel, The Soft Fucking Parade. I love The Soft yeah. Fucking Parade. But again, it's because I take them for what they are and I don't compare them to the catalog that they've created thus far. And I think right. there, are, there, are, there are bands like the Beatles that everyone is comfortable doing that with. But yep. then there's other bands where they just decide, no, we're going to completely compare you against the first thing you ever released. And if it's not yep. as yep. good as that, in our personal opinion, then it's shit. And like, no, like just everyone grows. Artists yeah. grow and growth is not always better. Sometimes they experiment and it may not be as good as, but it's certainly different from, and if you can't appreciate the difference from, then you shouldn't be able to appreciate what was.
0: Because everything
1: in the world is subjective. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, a lot of people are down on the, the soft parade because it didn't produce really that many radio hits, and uh, they were really experimenting at the time with different sounds and different stuff. And uh, you know, I really appreciated it, and I I got to know a little bit a guy that played on the Soft Parade. Oh really? Um, yeah, a guy uh, named Jesse McReynolds played mandolin on "Runnin' <laughs> Blue" and another Great song track. Yeah, and they, they flew, you know, he told me how they, they, you know, the record company contacted him because he was, you know, uh, in a bluegrass band playing on the Grand Ole Opry at the time in uh, the 60s, and so they contacted him and flew him out to LA, and, uh, he, you know, he said the band were, were very nice, you know, mm-hmm. all were gentlemen, very intelligent, knew music inside and out, and were really, you know, appreciative of what he did, and, uh, you know, it, it Just really cool to hear, you know, just, uh, but he's the, the track, you know, he said he was there maybe a day and did his part. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't very long, but, uh, got that done and was out. That's something that when when people typically think about the doors, they
1: think about Jim Morrison. But again, I want to reiterate, they're forgetting the fact that the other three individuals in the band were consummate musicians. Like they had idols they, they had their own individual ideas. Um, uh, Manzarek, he was a, bo- like a bossa nova keyboardist. He loved jazz. Uh, he loved to experiment. He loved to go all over the board. If it wasn't for his fucking keyboards, the doors never would have fucking worked. Um, oh, yeah. Manzarek, um, I don't know why I said his name twice. Uh, Robbie Krieger, he was the first person to put down slide guitar on fucking tape. Like, that was an old black man blues tradition. He was the first white man to ever put that on tape. And he was the first one attributed to the fucking bottleneck guitar because of it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, he, He was obsessed with blues guitar and jazz guitar. And again, even his work after The Doors ended, you can see that he's obsessed with the craft Not just wanting to be a rock star. And I I would argue he never even tried to be a rock star in the first fucking place. Uh, John Densmore, which gets a lots of shit because of the film, but is actually an amazing drummer. He was a crazy jazz fanatic that if it weren't for his beats and his ability, and I have to say, most bands, the drummer is the soul. He keeps the timing of every bit and piece of the song. He yeah. was playing second to fucking Morrison on mic, and that's something oh, yeah. that does not happen. You have to be an amazing musician to be able to take cues from your fucking vocalist drug addict singer to <laughs> fucking not only just keep time, but know when to pick it up with your fucking shit and keep the song progressing forward. I mean... Yeah. This entire band was magic in a bottle and anyone oh, yeah. who dismisses it isn't fully recognizing the true musicianship that came into it. And again, I'm not saying that that, that Morrison was a musician uh, um, uh, well, a, a, a talented musician at start because mm-hmm. he was a, a, a failed, filmmaker he was a poet he was a writer he was a, a sort of a visual artist but he became an amazing fucking musician
0: yeah like, well he truly. he fit you know i mean individually I, you know robbie was was a great guitar but he was weird you know he didn't use a pick when he played he used he, he, he was, was a, yeah. yeah he used a, he was a flamenco style guitar player before you know every i think it Before joining the band, it was like a month or two was the first time he'd ever picked up an electric guitar. Mm -hmm. And uh, John, you know, was a a jazz drummer. And uh, and so, you know, Ray was a a jazz organist. And Individually, they were great in their own right, but there were definitely people who were better individually. Mm -hmm. But their thing was, is the four of them, they moved as one. You know, they played really well together. And even Morrison, though he didn't have an instrument, his voice was his instrument. The way he could distort his voice and the grunts and the primal screams, and uh, it, it, it just fit. And, I, yeah. you know, as we'll talk about the later records after Morrison, you, you can see there how it it just wasn't the same without that fourth element. Uh, and yeah. they just – they all played off of each other. And you're right, you know, how Morrison would give cues to the music and how, I remember reading at one time when he would, uh, when he was drunk or on acid, something where he was just out of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was, they were in the middle of a song, I think it was the Hollywood Bowl concert. (laughs) Uh, And they were doing the end and he had taken acid before the show and they said he was, you know, in a pissy mood because- It was like a brick, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And said Mick Jagger came to the concert and was sitting in the front row and Morrison's girlfriend was sitting on his lap. And, and so Morrison was pissed off, you know, the whole time. And so you can watch during the end when he starts like walking around the stage and just not really into it, you'll hear little things in the music and he, he twerks, he jumps, you know, just something and gets him going again. Like it, it, it was a full experience that mm-hmm. that you don't get even today with most bands it's weird because
1: there was moments when they realized that morrison was out of it he, mm-hmm. he wasn't into the whatever he was supposed to be doing and so they were doing little cues trying to pull him back as musicians like okay right. whoop, whoop, like come on back come yeah. on back. Like, doo, 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 doo. Yeah. like trying to bring him back in and yeah. they had to just wait and hope that w- any little cue that they brought out was received by him. And more often than not, it was. And it was because he understood that I- I'm, I'm experiencing this. I'm, I'm sort of in this place, but I'm also like out here with all of you and I need to put yeah. on a performance and make you feel good. And it became, it started as this experience of him being too shy to even face the crowd. Right. to him lauding the crowd, to him being resentful of the crowd and actually actively trying to cause yeah. riots because <laughs> of his disdain and misanthropy for people. And and I can certainly understand that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't fault well, him at all. Well, certainly. And I love the chaos that he would cause in concerts, ultimately to his detriment, because realistically it ended up getting him thrown his
0: ass in jail and, and facing trial, but... Yeah, a a friend of mine uh, that I I played in a band with uh, was in the Army in in the late 60s. And he was in uh, Cincinnati, I think, stationed around there. And he got to see, you know, Jimi Hendrix in uh, 69. He got to see The Doors in 1969 in Cincinnati. And he said out of everybody he saw, The Doors were the craziest thing he'd ever seen and that he, he had never seen anything like it before or since. And that uh, that concert actually ended in a riot. And uh, said it was just, you know, the most intense thing from the time they walked on stage like the tension in the room was just building and building and building until finally there were, you know, people rushing the stage and the cops throwing them off and, you know, all the kids started rioting when that happened. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, just he could play a crowd, you know. I mean, the man bringing it kind of back to to everything we know of lesser magic, that, that motherfucker knew how to use it, you oh, know. Oh, yeah use his looks and use you know he could walk out on stage and be charming and put on a hell of a concert and all the people just you know be in love with him and or he could walk out there and be an asshole Mm -hmm. and really piss the the people off and just dare on you know what are you gonna do come come get it what are you You gonna do about it what are you gonna do about it yeah Uh, you know truly a magician in himself you know just uh, seemed in a way you know everybody portrays him as this tortured person but he you know you and i've talked before a lot of the same books that we've read by people that knew him said he was one of the funniest people you'd ever meet Mm -hmm. just always happy and always you know doing uh doing his thing just a jokester Mm -hmm.
1: i think that has a lot to do with uh, this is something that I don't think it's shared enough or or maybe discussed enough. It's, you know, this duality of humanity. Um, We have this front-facing persona that we like to project to a crowd, and then we have the persona that we like to share amongst our personal friends. Sometimes that aligns with who we actually are, and sometimes it doesn't. I think in the case when we hear all these secondhand stories about Morrison from those who shared life with him and shared experience with him, um, he was a very much a tortured individual but he was happy uh in that torture he shared thoughts and experience and and like all of us we have these terrible experiences in life but we do our best to work through them and through our craft whatever that craft may be we try to um, extract not only a little piece of ourselves but also fuck with those on the other end of it and i think he was a true master of that idea Um, and whether he was conscious of it at all times or whether he was under the influence and had no idea about it, I think is less than relevant because it doesn't matter. That's still who he was. And, uh, I, I feel like with, with, with any artist, regardless of the medium, you have to take them, uh, at their craft. Yeah. And I'm not talking about a plumber. You take a plumber (laughs) at his ability to fix your fucking leak. And I'm not talking about a fucking uh, HVAC dude because you want to make sure that they can fix your fucking furnace or get your AC running. I'm talking about an artist who is complex, who does not run at the normal mode. They're fucking erratic and emotional and abstract and crazy and fucking fanatical and sometimes more normal than normal demands. But in either way, they, they are completely different than everyone else. And you have to be able to accept them for who they are. And if you can, then they can entertain, they can inspire, they can create, truly create majesty for you to behold that you could never have created yourself. And all you can do is just witness and appreciate. And I think those are the moments when we realize what humanity is actually capable of. I mean, we, we, we speak so much about the Roman Empire and their um, engineering capacities of creating aqueducts and structures like the Colosseum and, and speaking to their uh, their power. But what is it that we truly cherish? It's their art. It's their sculptures. It's their stories. It's their myths. That is what carries humanity. And if any musicians have ever followed in that path it is certainly the doors who have followed in that mythology they created their own they celebrated yeah. what was and they made sure that every single performance was its own dionysian theater and everyone joined in
0: yeah uh yeah they they really did uh, do something that was different you know that was a, a uh, sign of the times that we had you know with uh, with Vietnam going on mm-hmm. yet you, you know a lot of the civil rights movements were still happening i mean uh, our country is divided as we see it today it was very much divided then and uh, uh, their music was a reflection of the chaos mm-hmm. that was happening in the times the emotions that you would have even in you know just one song you'd go mm-hmm. through many emotions and Morrison's voice—I mean, all the instruments did it—but his voice, you know, going from a kind, loving sound almost that welcomed you in, and could go to harsh and mean, and uh, you know, demonic, in, in his, you know, the primal grunts and screams he would do, is, is quite reflective of uh, the nation as a whole.
1: Yeah, and they span the gamut. I mean, they—they they were. Oh yeah. They were very popular for, I don't know, like four years-ish where they really changed the way that music was performed and accepted and challenged not only musicianship, but also the idea of a performance and what states would be okay with (laughs) as far as performance (laughs) is concerned. And they ran into some uh, legal issues uh, throughout that time as well. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about some of the albums that they put out here. and uh, We we brushed through some of it, but uh, I, I really want to dig in here if we can just for a moment. So, this yeah. is the first. Oh, motherfucker, go back. Go back. go back. go back. I don't know how to go back. There we go. Uh, so, this is their first album, The Doors. I have this on vinyl. I love this album oh, uh, so much. Maybe more than some of my kids, but I can't say for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so genuinely good. Um and again it was all recorded and released in like a day like you know like 24 hours they put all the tracks down and yeah, it so was fast. just gold and again they'd been playing for uh they'd been together for like two full years practicing and playing gigs before they yeah. recorded this and were signed by Electra um and so of course they had their set down and they put it all on vinyl but it it was so goddamn good and then oh, you yeah. had Strange Days again. We already spoke about this, but <laughs> some very weird, some very great fucking tracks came out of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had Waiting for the Sun, again, challenged the notion of what The Doors could actually produce as a band who blew people away with The Doors album. <laughs> and then Strange Days, which you don't really have a follow-up album that's as good as the first. Um, no. But they did. And and then they came out with this, and the music... Um, what are they called? Uh, music journalists? Uh, what are they called? The people who judge, like, like, write about music. Music critics? Critics, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, the critics shit all over this fucking Oh, record. yeah. <laughs> but was... There,
0: this was the one that had uh, the Unknown Soldier on it, I think. Also. I, I
1: believe. So, um, it did. And the it, Unknown Soldier was great. It Spanish Caravan. Oh yeah. That was that That's was
0: fucking amazing. Yeah. But you... the the Unknown Soldier, uh, at that time no one had put out a, a released like a single and put out a video with the single. And the Doors did that with the Unknown Soldier. They filmed their own music video. And uh man, the video's fucking good. You know. <laughs> I mean it's
1: Well, it was, they were film students. So well, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, it, if it wasn't
0: good, then you'd know why they were no longer film <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it was yeah. good. I, I, I want I to shine a little bit of light for those of you out there who may not fully appreciate. So the original Doors album had Break On Through. It had fucking Soul Kitchen. It had Alabama's song, Light My Fire, Back Door Man, yeah. which is just amazing. Uh, take us, End of the Night. God damn it, that's a good song. Uh, Strange Days. Strange Days. Uh, Your Lost Little Girl, which is great. Uh, Love Me Two Times, which is wildly popular. Moonlight Drive. If I can tell you (laughs) how many times that song got me laid. Holy Mm. shit. People Are Stranger Great. Uh, My Eyes Have Seen You. Okay. Uh, First of all, people shit on when the music's over, but I Can't See Your Face in My Mind is truly wonderful. Great track. Uh, Waiting for the Sun hello i love you which was huge it was a number one for like five weeks or some shit or 15 weeks or some shit love street which is great um god damn this this album had so many wonderful songs summer's almost gone yeah wintertime love they tried Mm. like fucking waltz music in a doors album and it worked (laughs) (laughs) ah so (laughs) how could that work but it worked uh, Spanish Caravan, which still is, like, up here with wonderful fucking musicianship tracks. And I heard that there's, like, an extended version. Robbie Krieger admitted uh, that he he did a, an extended version of Spanish Caravan that was cut for time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've <gasps> heard that. I've heard <gasps> that. I want that track.
1: It. I want so the extended killer. version of that because there's nothing greater than Spanish guitar. And Robbie Krieger was a master at it. Oh, yeah. Give it up, man. Uh, My Wild Love. I can't mm-hmm. think of that song without thinking of peyote in the fucking desert.
0: Yep. My Wild yep.
1: Love went
0: riding. <laughs> Makes me God. think of man camp for some reason. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> no reason at all.
1: <laughs> but every good reason. So good. Uh, we could be so good together. Goddamn. Five to one. Ugh. Love, Michael. I mean, it, it, it's it's a it's a an anthem about the individual population against the uh, uh, military-industrial complex, as it were, against the powers that be. Yep. They got the guns, but we got the numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good, and the soft parade. Yep. Uh, th- they tried to take it down a notch with the soft parade. They tried with they experienced uh, experimented with brass. Uh, yep. They went a little bit fun with it, and I dug it. I really genuinely dug it all from yeah. Tell All the People, Touch Me, Easy Ride, Run Blue, Wishful, Sinful, and then, of course, the title track, Soft Braid. I absolutely loved it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm burping in the mic. That's gross. Sorry, people. Hold on, Hold on a second. I'm trying to change this. Why isn't it changing? Come on. It no likey. Why <laughs> isn't it changing? <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, that's the song There it made. is. And then Morrison Hotel. Morrison mm. Hotel. Holy shit, this oh, is a great album. Oh, my
0: God. So fucking grungy and dirty.
1: I feel like people don't fully appreciate this because they don't separate it from their other albums. And Hey! Oh. Come on, now. What are go you doing? back. Back up. Show some some gun respect for Morrison Hotel. <sighs> Roadhouse Blues, Waiting for the Sun, You Make Me Real, Peace Frog. Fucking Peace Frog. Yeah. There's blood in the streets in the town of New Haven. Blood stains of roots and the palm trees of Venice. Blood in my love in the terrible summer. Bloody red sun of fantastic LA. goddamn awesome. Hold on. Ruskin's roots and pop out fingers! i wow. <laughs> be born in the birth of a nation! <laughs> Peace Frog is great.
0: It's, it's awesome.
1: Good. And then Ship of Fools reminds me of fucking They Might Be Giants. Don't know why. Yeah. does. Well, I know. Never...
0: Oh, man. There you go,
1: dude. The spy. The spy got me laid. That, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Queen of the Highway is so goddamn good. Uh, Indian Summer. Indian uh, Summer is so good. This I want to listen to this album now.
0: I love you the best. So good. Better than all the rest.
1: Oh, uh, dude. It's so sexy. It is such a mm. great album. And people just don't give it the love and I think they need to. No. no all right. Absolutely Live was live performance compilation. This was the first live album while Morrison was alive. They would release Umpteenth Million afterward. But mm-hmm. this was all accepted uh, while he was still around with the uh, original four. Uh, this was released in November of that same year, 1970. Uh, 13, this is sort of a best of. Not yeah. of live tracks, but of studio-released tracks. Tracks, the thirteen best tracks thus far. Um, the downside to this album is that they're missing any tracks from this little beauty, mm, "L.A. Yeah. Fucking Woman." I had this was my first Doors album in vinyl I ever, ever owned, and it was given yeah. to me by my graphic arts teacher in high school. He literally got the vibe from me and. Like gifted me this album and it not only inspired my adoration my further admiration for The Doors Mm -hmm. but it took me down a blues path that ended up with fucking uh, Muddy Waters and Buddy Guy and fucking insane shit that I never would have fucking understood if it weren't for this album this is an amazing musical feat that that not only takes us with tracks like um, "Lover Madly," which is wonderful, the title track "L.A. Woman," "Lamerica," which is an underserved, underappreciated, wonderful fucking song, "Crawling King's sake "Hyacinth House." Yeah, what are they doing in the hyacinth house? This uh, that's this blues album, uh, made by white dudes, <laughs> was the I think I mean. I don't know 100% here. I'm talking out my ass, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) The first charted white men blues album that didn't have Eric Clapton a part of it. (laughs) Like it was, it was received really well. Like people loved this album. Riders on the storm. Riders on the fucking storm. Okay. I want to tell you a story. (laughs) (laughs) The time was Adam in high school. I don't know. Circa 1994 ish. 93, maybe. Um, I just got out of a menstil- mental institution for trying just- to kill my brother. And so they mm. fucking put me in. The problem was I was high on acid when they tried to uh, – when my parents had the police – collect me and take mm. me to this institution and I was seeing things in the picture that weren't there describing them to the admission physician and he was like um okay hold on and he called my parents and he's like okay tell me what you just saw in the picture and I explained exactly what it was and my mom lost her fucking mind my stepdad lost his fucking mind they admitted me I met this crazy fucking girl in there and I just wanted to fucking hang out with her so they released me early once the drugs wore off and they realized I wasn't fucking nut job and then I acted like an asshole so I could get back in just so I could hang out with that girl again as soon as she (laughs) was out we both got together and I started seeing her every once in a while when I was kicked out of my house because I'm a fucking nut job and my parents are nut jobs and so I was kind of living on the streets a little bit uh, seeing this girl and I went with her to her grandparents house with her dad turns out this is going to get dark people prepare yourself She was actively being sexually abused by her father, the same guy that was driving me to and from her house, in her grandparents' house, the same place that I was going with her and her father that very day. And the only reason why he didn't sexually abuse her that single day was because I was fucking present. But not only did he try to, you know, like fucking hobnob with me, saying, hey, I'm a cool little dude, whatever. But... He turned me on to this song, Riders on the Storm, before I had ever fully, like, realized its majesty. Because we were driving back from, I think, like, fucking Colville in middle of nowhere, Utah, through the fucking canyons of Utah, while it was actively raining, and they was fucking listening to Riders on the Storm, and now I'm fucking mentally conflicted about this guy who opened me up to Riders on the Storm, but he's also a fucking monster who I wish was fucking murdered in the street. Anyway, that's the song. That's the story. Rise in the storm. Great song.
0: (laughs) Damn. My, my story is not nearly as cool as yours. (laughs) Okay. I want to hear your story now. What is it? (laughs) Well, well, when, uh, the year I I had met Stephanie, uh, my lovely wife, I, uh, was playing in a band. Uh, we, the fiddle player was kind of a, he, he was very Morrison-esque, you know, kind of a, a Towns Van Zant kind of character, you know, just, uh, kind of nuts, kind of crazy. He was into every kind of drug known to man, but hit it well, you know, whatever. Um, he, he tells me one day, Hey, we're going to go, uh, go see my buddy Jerry. And, uh, whatever, you know, passing through his town. And, uh, you know, okay, you know, Jerry. Turns out that the the guy Jerry we go and meet, his name was Jerry Sheff. He uh, played bass in Elvis' band. Oh, shit! And he played bass on this record.
1: Oh, shit! Yeah.
0: Jerry's a really cool dude, man. Like, he just... The down-to-earth guy, and you know, he's telling me about hanging out with the Doors in L.A. in 1970. Just, you know, and after I picked my mouth up off the floor and, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to ask him any questions. My mind was just blown, you know, like this was a guy that was there.
1: Dude, I would almost want to hear more about Elvis.
0: Oh, I know. I know. Now,
1: he, <laughs> he said that man could do some partying. Oh, I bet, dude. Oh, god damn it. God damn it. Ew. I met a plumber uh, once. <laughs> you met me. I mean <laughs> I've I've met you, yeah. So <laughs> tangentially I have met uh, uh no the wasp, another great track. Oh so, okay, good. so uh I mean I, I gotta stop gushing about this. Now we're getting into some stuff that after Jim Morrison uh died because of an overdose of heroin, or did he? <laughs> as uh there are fans the fans of morrison want to believe um the doors tried to move on and just couldn't do it uh they created other albums too specifically this other voices and this full circle and both were 100 percent pure garbage fuck them they don't exist <laughs> <laughs> i don't think is. i ever
0: heard them
1: really I, I've never heard anything. Of you really should just so you can appreciate how bad they are. Yeah, well. The majesty of this band is not Morrison. It is the culmination of all four of them together. That is what makes the doors great. And that's proven by these two albums when the yeah. three remaining the three survivors of the band tried to release music that was similar, complex. the musicianship's there. Oh yeah. But the vibe, there's what? just something hollow about it. It is not soulful. It is missing the fucking lizard man to deliver his own fucking gravitas and and that is why it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I can't oh, listen man. to these albums. I've listened to them yeah. twice and I just it's painful. It just it hurts that they kept trying and it was just so so goddamn sad <laughs> and then they realized that with the failure of these two albums they had to go back to the well and they discovered that jim morrison made a poetry reading right before he died on his birthday yeah and they put out an american prayer which is <clears throat> well go ahead no no
0: it, it, i i i I really I, I liked his poetry quite a bit. I mean, I you know have a couple of his poetry books, and uh, I'm always on the lookout for first editions, which are super fucking hard to find. Mm. But I felt like this record was you know kind mm. of a, a goodbye from the band to to Morrison. Yeah. It's about the only the only way they were able to say goodbye, and uh, except for when he calls him. You know, still because he's living in Africa. <laughs> uh,
1: it's great. This album yeah. is so good. So, this is spoken word poetry. Uh, Jim Morrison released two poetry collections before he recorded this uh, spoken word piece. Uh, on his birthday, before he died, he released this in studio. And then, years after his death, I think like two years after his death, uh, the band came together and performed a score for the poetry that he performed and released it as this this is a track that if you're like me who is a sucker for humanity uh, you will cry listening to this uh, it is so goddamn powerful it is the music is what does it like yeah. I I appreciate I have all of Jim Morrison's work um, uh, his his poetry writings I've given it to my wife as Chris or as birthday presents when we were recording. Uh, I just I love it so goddamn much. And as good as it is, it is only elevated again, as I was saying before, by his three other companions that create this band, The Doors, and they create a score that is emotional, that is heart rending, that is powerful, and it takes you on a fucking experience, a journey. Of knowledge of wisdom and it is fun and it is just great if you've never heard yeah. this album like turn it on it's i think maybe spotify or whatever i got yeah. apple music check it out it's so goddamn good but again as i told my wife when we first heard it turn the lights off sit alone and just listen and, and don't judge don't think just experience it and i garen goddamn to you that you will be a fucking convert because this is a goddamned good fucking spoken word poetry album so good
0: here here
1: there's a lot of other cheers live... yeah fucking cheers man cheers yeah
0: that's great
1: <laughs> so good um they have a lot of other best of's, they have a lot of other live albums, uh, interview albums, and it continues on until this day. They're remastering their old albums and re-releasing them as 50th anniversary versions. Yeah. The most recent, I think, is Soft Parade. So everything before that they already have, with additional outtakes, tracks that were not released because they just weren't strong enough, uh, compared to every other uh, track on the album. But it's great. It's an explore exploration of the band's music, the experience, and again, the mythology behind Jim Morrison. I think is what drives all of this. When you when you take a step away from the musicianship, and maybe it's foreshadowing, or, or it's, um, it's it's casting a shadow on the musicianship because of the power of the mythology itself. Mm -hmm. But Jim Morrison, he's got a fucking he's got a power and a mystery that that resonates with the misfits and um, the inherent old school punks and the monsters in us all who appreciate and can love the darkness and the idea of death and the possibility of afterlife and the monstrosity that is the machine and our ability to defy that machine and to rage against it. That, I think, is the essence yeah. of Jim Morrison, and I love it desperately.
0: Ah, it's amazing. It's amazing. The, the true rebel you know, of, of question everything yeah. has to be Jim Morrison. I mean, he was, was ridiculously intelligent, uh, ridiculously attractive, and had a sex appeal that he could connect with anybody on, on different levels. And also, just blow your fucking mind with knowledge of, of stuff that maybe you wouldn't think about, mm-hmm. of something different, something different. Rage Against the Machine is a very good way to put that, because he, he did that, especially in his later, later years, you know, once he, he, even against himself, you know, yeah. against what he had become as a pop star, you know, it was just completely like, fuck this, you know, this is stupid. Why are you here worshiping me? Go out and do it yourself. You know, that was yeah. totally something I, I could see him being for it.
1: Mm-hmm. So the mythology upon Jim Morrison's death was so strong, it rivaled the idea of the king himself. Elvis's death, um, no one accepted. Um, very few people, I, I would say, that are fans accepted his death and so there's this whole mythology built up that no elvis isn't dead he's still alive and living in los angeles or or wherever um jim morrison's the same thing uh like no one examined the casket before he was buried and that just fed into that mythology and it got to such a fever point throughout the years that they actually stole the uh, someone stole the headpiece that was his gravestone a sort of homage to his gravestone by another sculptor um, yeah. uh, defacing his, his gravesite. Uh Ultimately, Rayman Manzarek got to a point where he thought, okay, if our fans are so feverish that they don't want him to be dead, well, then I'm going to write a story about him not being dead and about <laughs> what happened. And I've spoken to this... On the show before, not this particular show, but in Nine Cents before, and I've spoken, I think, to you, Wes, about it. But there's this really amazing book. i got to find it on my shelf. (laughs) It's called A Poet in Exile. I don't see it on my shelf at the moment. But it's about the what if. What if Jim Morrison didn't die in Paris? What if? He faked his death and it goes into this journey of Ray Manzarek being contacted years later by Jim Morrison and learning the truths that Jim Morrison learned throughout his experience of being a band member. And again, you have to understand that this is the 60s that the Doors got together. A lot of them were into meditation and Buddhism, Uh, actually the majority of the band members um, save Morrison himself. And so a lot of the story is very hippy-dippy, finding-the-peace-within type narrative. But I appreciated it because his life was such a chaotic rage that in death, the idea of him finding some sort of um, mythological peace is actually reassuring. Like, I actually (laughs) appreciated it. Um, he had a son in the story and there's this, this wonderful moment of him finding a connection and love with this other human being in this um, island uh, and, and, and finding love and peace and understanding and, and coming to a grown-up understanding of this youthful angst that made the doors the doors. Um, and so it was a wonderful sort of catharsis. To the mythology that was shrouding Jim Morrison. So if you are a Jim Morrison fanatic, I highly recommend The Poet and Exile. It is fantastic. Again, a little hippy dippy type stuff, but if you're into the mythology, then it'll feed into it even more. And I think it's wonderful. And I think nice. uh I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? The doors? Where do we want to go here? I,
0: I really where can you go? I mean, that's <laughs> I, I I, I really you know th- with all the uh, the conspiracy theories and stuff I feel like the uh, the most logical explanation I've ever heard uh, of his death you know was a, a heroin overdose
1: yeah
0: and uh, allegedly th- there were uh, I'd have to look up the links but there have been news articles recently. Uh, talking about the uh, the count that uh, his girlfriend stepped out with all the time, and uh, this person was very intertwined with the music scene, and uh, allegedly was a heroin dealer not only for Morrison but also for Janis Joplin, and that it was the oh, same shit. heroin that that killed both of them. Oh, that it was just shit. extremely pure, and that uh, they just you know took too much and. I, I the one I, I find the most likely, even though it's it's very conspiracy theory esque, is that he uh, OD'd in the uh, the rock and roll circus bathroom in Paris.
1: Rock and roll circus.
0: Yeah, that was a bar in Paris that all like uh, you know Jagger and you know all all the big rock stars of the day would come and hang out there. And there's witnesses, you know, if you see different interviews with people that uh, that said Morrison came there and had a drink that night while uh, Pamela was out seeing this other guy. And uh, he was actually trying to score heroin uh, for her. And it was a couple of that guy's guys that was dealing at that place and sold it to him. And he goes in the bathroom and uh, that he actually died there. And those guys took him back and put him in the bathtub at the apartment.
1: Oh shit! Yep. Oh shit. So, what did you think about the way that um, <clears throat> Oliver Stone's film ended him with the whole I, mythology of the Indian? And yeah. I well,
0: as far as a piece of cinema, it was very beautiful. You know, uh, for for a long time, I, 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 studied shamanism and, and Native American whatever, because my, you know, I'm sure like Elizabeth Warren's family, my family was supposed to be descended from, uh, Cherokee, uh, Native American. That's a weird, <laughs> weird, weird name drop. There. Weird yeah. off the cuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, Stu- you know, got into that, studied it for uh, as far as it would take me, I guess. And uh, I thought for a piece of cinema, like it was it was a beautiful way for him to go out, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, that, that whole film, uh, as marvelous as Val Kilmer was as Morrison, as that legend. And uh, I, I still would have liked to have seen Heather Graham play the part of Pamela because she actually auditioned. What for for that there if you can find it on youtube oh, there there's no. an audition tape of her and kilmer it, playing a part and uh she would have been amazing i don't think she would have been i think meg a, ryan got it because of her name
1: i did yeah
0: she was super popular at the time yeah she got it for that and if you see you know there's one scene where they're in the hotel and they're screwing and mm-hmm you know, the camera pans down on her breasts and then she covers them up and, you know, Oliver Stone was like, yeah, she was really self-conscious. It kind of killed the whole mood and I, I don't I don't think that was the case. I think he just wanted to see some titties yeah. off an actress, but... Heather Graham would have put up. Uh, oh, I she would have played it completely different. I mm-hmm. think she may have even hit it a lot closer to how, you know, people were in the 60s. Yeah.
1: No, she's great. I, I, yeah. 100%. I love that, that actress, 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of Meg Ryan, too, so I
0: don't want to put any oh, no. shine on her. But... She, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It, I didn't it, know that. Yeah. yeah. There's, the, whole, the whole movie mythology, you know, I, I thought for a long time, probably like you did, that, you know, this is what Morrison did mm-hmm. from the time he – woke up from his hungover (laughs) sleep until he passed out again was that he was drinking or doing drugs or or fucking or singing you know one of the four and then if you you know being a rebellious young kid because you grew up in a very religious restrictive household you do a lot of that and uh it ends up hurting (laughs) it hurts a lot (laughs)
1: Yeah, which I that, think also feeds into the artistic expression too.
0: It, it, it totally does, and you know, when I, you know, playing was playing music in a bluegrass band, and a very, you know, it was very Christian restrictive areas, as it were, that these festivals and shows would be. Uh, he was very inspiring to to be different. You know, I grew my hair out long and had pierced. Hey oh totally man like it was it was just you know crazy i had you know had sleeve tattoos and as soon as i'd come off stage like i'd take my shirt off and just be in a t-shirt or a shirt so all the tattoos were showing and all that and I mean, let me I were, introduce you my
1: guns yeah
0: yeah my, my you know at the time too like i i was you know, I was tiny. You know, was t- like 130 pounds, I think. Whoa! Because yeah, you know, i was am trying to be as skinny as Morrison and and be as outrageous and Whoa. you know, my my tiny little little arms. So they've gotten so much bigger now. You know, me I gave Arnold a run for his money. It's
1: so much bigger now. Look yeah, at my arms.
0: You got, to, you got to pick up the weights
1: they're huge
0: <laughs> oh man
1: all right well we are past our time limit here so we're gonna have to end it there we're like a half an hour <laughs> past our time limit <laughs> holy shit uh, uh thank you all so much for tuning in for the length of this uh conversation <laughs> hey we're just a couple guys having a couple of drinks and uh, enjoying our uh, whatever topic it is at hand so whether it's masturbation of the doors it's all good
0: Or masturbation of the doors. Why are you
1: getting a shampoo? (laughs) All the weird fucking things. No, it's on me. It's okay. I'll give you shampoo. I don't want a fucking shampoo. Stop trying to give me a shampoo. Why do you want to give me a shampoo? Do you need a shampoo? Yeah.
0: You really need
1: it. Does it include my pubes? Because they're kind of rough. They're like (laughs) like bristly, like SOS pads. You want to shampoo those? Is that not? You don't do that? Oh, my. My butt hair. Do you shampoo butt hair? I don't have a well, lot of it, but I got some of it. I maybe maybe that's there.
0: what she was talking about. Yeah, maybe. she was
1: like, you're, you're scratching up my seats. <laughs> Every time you sit down.
0: She's like, you really need a shampoo of your ass, sir.
1: <laughs> I bet you've never shampooed your ass. <laughs> I'm going to be the first. I'm going to shampoo your ass, and I guarantee all these things run dry. It'll be good. No, you- that was another thing she said. She's like, no, no, no. I'll... It was, uh, fuck I'm trying to remember now it was something about run dry like she would just let it run off my scalp or something I I, I, I don't I, I'm trying to remember but it was <laughs> it sounded very sensual I was like you know I'm married like you cut my wife's hair from time to time and my kids what are you saying right now <laughs> Like, and there's other people in the room this is like in a working studio like what the you know- fuck Maybe they're very
0: liberal there and very open. We don't judge.
1: If you come in a person's hair, it just happens, you know? Yeah, maybe that's what she's talking about. She's
0: (laughs) going to sit on your head. She's going to shampoo you. And then it's just going to drip off.
1: Oh, man. That actually sounds pretty awesome. I don't know. I feel like I might have missed out on something awesome. God damn it. God damn it. I'm going to go back tomorrow. Uh, I'll let you guys know how it goes. <laughs> I'm here for the shampoo. I, get, I, I get told you sh- to get a shampoo. I get shampoo now. <laughs> I'm ready. Shampoo. I'm ready now. I thought about it. It's like, get the fuck out of here, loser. Oh, I thought about it, man. Yeah. I need a shampoo.
0: <laughs> need it so bad. <laughs> Not getting a shampoo was a mistake.
1: Holy shit. <laughs> we got to end this. We, this is fucking over. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in live. We appreciate you. Uh, send us your thoughts about the Doors. If you don't like them, you're lost. I do. We do. Yeah. If you, if you don't like it, just, just keep it to yourself. It's fine. Yeah. Now watch us singing the Doors on our way out. Hail Satan. Hail the Satan. It's not really the Doors. <laughs> it could be the Doors. Take me to the moon, the moon that's right to the time Then a trainer evening the city sleeps too high That was right before I lit a fart